Hello out there, what is up? Welcome to Sound and Strain with Ryan Cano, and I am your host, Ryan Cano. Some people know me as the founder and owner of The Loyalty Firm, an artist management and concert events company in Austin. I am also known as a drummer. I am also known as the house cat. Welcome to the show. As usual, I am recording from Austin, Texas in DIY HD quality. Every week I will ask you, what sounds are you listening to? What strains are you rolling? Actually, I mean to ask that every week, but last week I forgot. I was just too damn excited about Velcro Wolf's new album. If you are new here, this podcast will cover many topics, but one of the things I am proud of so far with the podcast is that we feature full songs from artists that I am enjoying. It is my hope that you go search for these artists after listening to the podcast and become fans of them if you've liked what you've heard. And that may be a a little bit pie in the sky point of view that I have about that, but it's something I'd love to contribute to. There's just too much great music searching for a bigger audience. And I hope, you know, what modest audience I have at this moment, we can show every artist we feature some love. Give them that sound and strain bump. Not a Coke bump. Thanks, drummer. Uh, Not a Coke bump. Uh, Not a fist bump, but more like a sales bump. A sound and strain sales bump. Y'all remember flash mobs? When, if y'all aren't familiar with them, I mean, it was where people would show up, you know, in a mob, and they would do some sort of flash stunt. And Austin had a super rad pillow fight in the park near Congress Bridge at Ladybird Lake where you get to watch the bats um, when they fly out the evening. So everyone showed up, they sat on their pillows, and they waited for a big signal. I think the signal was something like a person walking by would trip in front of someone. They'd get up and someone would yell out real loud, PILLOW FIGHT! And then for five minutes solid or so, people fought with their pillows and then there was some sort of signal that that it was all over and then everyone went back to sitting down and chatting as they were as if nothing happened another austin flash mob did a freeze-in at the whole foods and you can find this on youtube but people just froze in position and held it for about five minutes or so it was super funny as people were just like picking up cans of soup filling like fucking boxes of salad uh and they were like in mid-conversation like holding their hands up and then someone would yell a phrase that made everybody you know unfreeze and then people went back into motion like nothing happened it was just pretty good-hearted fun i bring this up with the sound and strain bump because what if we did a cash mob for local artist band camps like we flood the artists with merchandise and music sales i've had this idea for a little bit at the time when the flash mobs were hot but i was super sick personally at the time and really couldn't give this idea life and maybe someone else can give this idea life maybe we can do that on this show together i'd love it if my all my listeners and me we could just find an artist to do this with what artists out there do you think could use some help let me know. Uh, I'm thinking out loud a little bit here, but I'd love to help artists by doing something like something along these lines. Purchasing what they want to sell us and try to buy all of their stock. So, you know, tell you what, send me some artists that you think we should do this for. Give them a little bit of a cash mob bump, a little sound and strain bump and see who could we help out there. Would love to help an artist that at a minimum has vinyl, t-shirts, CDs, and digital music for sale and 
was a touring musician or a touring entity before COVID-19 hit. I want to assist working musicians, basically. Not even sure how we organize this. Maybe it's through Discord or like just through the Sound and Strain Twitter account. I don't know. But if you're listening out there, help me flesh out this idea. I think there could be some legs to it and... I'd love to like spend some cash on some good music. Buying from your favorite artists is more meaningful than ever. So many areas an artist can earn from has been eroded over time during the quote unquote digital era since that began. Pre-smartphone mass adoption. Think the Napster era. In many ways, that's when the party was over for working musicians. Um, the recorded music industry has half the value it had at the height of the CD era, which was like around 1999 or so. And that's including the gains that we've recently got from streaming. So one way to think of it is that musicians have half the financial incentive to record music as they did 21 years ago. And that's really alarming when you consider how ubiquitous that music is in our lives. Music is everywhere and it's on demand you can get every single song that's almost ever been created almost as fast as you can think it yet the paycheck is on average 50 percent lower than it would have been previously for those musicians creating for us that's fucking depressing that's a bloodbath that's a fucking slaughter music was always going to go digital first because the files are the right size the speed of the internet as it adopted at a certain time and the major interest in music globally so there was always going to be demand spread across the net as long as there were humans on the internet and yes record labels classically fought any sort of innovation you know for the consumer they basically just tried to build a moat around their business models and they tried to fend off piracy as long as they could but the problem was they weren't creating new technologies while they were doing that and amongst other problems they had but once this started happening you know that genie doesn't go back in the bottle right because music is now free thus this began that sort of sales fall and the you know the record industry is lucky steve jobs came along with itunes or that fall would have kept on going for quite a while and who knows who would have survived even then itunes ease of use made piracy less attractive eventually streaming would overtake digital downloads uh, which itunes was providing physical product typically pays more than a digital download digital downloads pay more than streaming but streaming is now king about 75 to 80% of the recorded music industry's value is derived from streaming sources like Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, etc. So how money is paid out is a big deal. What you have to do to earn $10 streaming versus $10 from a physical product is quite a lot. And that's how the artist's bag got fucked with. So the point of all that history and in saying all that previously is to illuminate the severity of an artist's needs right now and how your support is basically more impactful than ever. So if you can spare $10 or 20 bucks right now, go buy an album or some vinyl or a t-shirt from your favorite artist on their Bandcamp page or go to a local record store if you feel safe doing that right now. I want to stay on this subject and kind of shine a light on a topic. It's more of a mindset really, but go grab your favorite strain light it up, listen to this music, and we'll be right back.
Welcome back. You just heard Echoes of a Tide from New Zealand's Swallow the Rat. Swallow the Rat's wonderful debut album, Leaving Room, is out globally everywhere you can find music. Of course, all music you hear on this podcast is used with permission. Glad we took that break because I wanted to get deeper into this subject. I wanted to talk about having a sales mindset versus a streaming stats mindset. And this is more for you working artists out there that are releasing music and selling music. We just talked about how it's harder than ever before to earn a buck off your recorded music. And that's because royalty rates for streaming platforms is something along the lines of 0.00318 cents per stream. To get six to 10 bucks, you're going to need at least 2000 streams, depending on the platform you stream from. You only need to sell one digital album for $12 to earn $10 in your pocket after Bandcamp fees. One purchase of your digital album equals $10 in your pocket. 2,000 or more streams equals $10 in your pocket. Ask yourself what is actually easier, to get people to decide 2,000 or more times to listen to your music or to get one person to buy your music. And for those of us that grew up before iTunes and Spotify and Apple Music, this kind of seems like common sense. We had vinyl, cassettes, CDs. So yeah, it kind of seems like common sense to us. Making a sale, although harder to get into action, is more beneficial and perhaps easier over time than getting 2,000 micro actions that equal 10 bucks based on your streaming. You don't have to create a physical product to earn a sale on music. A digital download is just as valid to this conversation, uh, by the way. So if you're selling on Bandcamp, you also get the money right now versus at some point next quarter as you would with streaming. This conversation is about the effort that it takes to make a dollar. So um, what I'm gathering is that you will find it easier to sell a record you know, on Bandcamp, which you also tend to get your customer information, like a mailing list edition. That's going to be easier for you to make that sale than to get some sort of eye-popping stats on whatever platform. Now, before I get too far into it, I know that I am comparing a sales platform, i.e. digital downloads on Bandcamp, and that's not the same as streaming, which is more akin to kind of on-demand radio. So I get that we aren't really comparing apples to apples, but as I mentioned earlier, the reason they do make sense as a comparable is this is about music consumption from the consumer's perspective and also how music is paid out to you artists. Fans of music want to be more helpful than ever. I truly believe that. Fans have always liked the idea of directly assisting their favorite musicians. The idea that a fan base could turn on an artist because they sold out, quote unquote, has been long gone. It's time to sell your music. I mean, I remember a time when an artist doing a collaboration with McDonald's would be game fucking over. Fans now actively root for you in these situations, and they really do love these kind of collaborations. So the atmosphere around what an artist can do to earn income has changed. You know, collectively, we all seem to sense that it's pretty hard for an artist out there without getting into the numbers. But I think once we are getting into the numbers, the reality of how hard it is for our favorite musicians to basically earn a basic living wage is eye-opening. So when fans are informed of these financial hardships, they tend to mobilize their support for their favorite artists. They want you to make music that they can escape to, and they want to support you. They don't want you to go away. 
what I'm really imploring you, especially for you younger musicians, is to start thinking about how to make a sale to your fan base instead of asking them to run it up, fam, to get your stats up. As much effort as you spend trying to get onto so-and-so's playlist, try to spend as much effort getting someone to buy your music. And if you can make sales, then you can make dollars. Dollars is greater than cents, my friends. And I get younger fans not knowing really the difference or even the importance of all this. The, those, those of you who are like in the 20 year old range or younger, like have really only had digital downloads and now streaming as your idea of what the marketplace bears. The idea of physical product really isn't a first option, maybe not even an option for you at all. For a manager like me, when I am looking at an artist that I consider for management, one of the things I will talk to an artist about is their plan to release music. Lately, for whatever fucking reason, it seems these meetings tend to take on the vibe of an e-commerce meeting. And while I love that an artist knows how important it is to stream their creations, I find that many aren't putting any thought into a sale, which is to say, no thought into how to make a casual listener into a fan that buys. The artist needs to create and manage that relationship. The last couple of artists I was curious about, I asked some leading questions to get into their mind and they really had zero thought or efforts being spent into how to make a sale versus a stream. Videos versus recorded music. They just really had no promotional plans outside of what was going to happen on the internet and, you know, also didn't want to tour, which this is pre-COVID. So if you didn't want to tour right now, yeah, that makes sense. Most of us aren't having shows, but especially if you're going to work and try to quote unquote make it as a musician, you just got to hit the road. You have to take your music to the people in person. Basically, they wanted to let the internet do it all for them. Now, if your goals are to make it, like quote unquote make it, then what I just described is a big deal. If you are trying to make it, then a lot more real world work has to be done than just digital strategy. I'm finding as a manager that most artists' digital strategy is really to, so they don't have to put any real world work into it. This idea that you get to stay at home and work less because you push an album on the internet is just a surefire way to make sure that music gets lost in the crowd. Because of how easy it is to release music for you, it's the same for everyone else. There's more music out there than ever. You are not going to get through the noise. Digital should be helping feed the physical world and vice versa. And so many of these strategy plans are full of monumental efforts getting you to save the album or follow an artist, stream the album, etc. And almost zero work spent into getting you to purchase the album even if the ROI is greater for that purchase. So I find it disarming and disappointing when I'm getting to know an artist that I may want to you know, work with potentially and they have zero thought into selling their music. There's all sorts of co-packaging things you can do, selling your music along with t-shirts, things like that. There's ways that can generate revenue so you can become more free to do the things you want. Managers earn their income off percentage. It's a commission. So if we aren't earning, then I don't eat. So I want to hear that you have thoughts about how to make a sale because you're basically telling me that you're thinking about how to earn revenue. And what I want for both of us is to earn revenue. But what I'm really getting most of these days is like, you know, how are we going to attack the playlist makers? Are we getting on rap caviar with my friends? Those are all great things to achieve. They're great things to brag, but what did you earn? Did you make a sale? Or is that person onto the next stream with little thought of who you are? So I ask you artists out there that want management, that want a booking agent, a publicist to their team, 
a record label to their team. Think about how you plan to sell your records versus how you plan to get people to stream your record. I think you'll find the slightly extra effort in setting up sales on Bandcamp will turn out more financially rewarding than getting someone to run up your stats. I definitely find it more impressive to meet an artist that has sold, let's say, 500 vinyl records, 700 CDs, and has 4,000 streams versus someone with zero physical albums sold, 10 downloads sold, and 15,000 streams. And record labels are more impressed with that too. And for all you fucks out there that just like to buy stats, just fucking stop it, you goddamn clowns. Like, I can't tell you how often I would be checking out a new artist to book when I was the music director and talent buyer at the Pecan Street Festival. And this new artist would have like 20,000 fans on Facebook, but their YouTube channel had 12 likes, 400 views. Who do you think you're fooling with this shit? Oh, you got 20,000 streams of a track on Spotify, but on YouTube you have 350? Give me a fucking break. You wasted your money and you're just fooling no one. So spend your money on better shit. Get out of that streaming stats mindset that makes you think this is a great investment and get on that sales mindset. I want your pockets to get fatter. I want you to eat. Quit waiting to get paid next quarter from a streaming service when you can get paid today on a sale. If you haven't done this yet, right now, start up your Bandcamp account. Bandcamp has one Friday a month where they waive the cut of their sales and let the artists keep it. That's just right on that alone, 10 to 15% extra in your pockets. Go get that bread. Start up your Bandcamp page. Once you set up that Bandcamp page out there, why don't you tweet us at Sound and Strain and we'll listen to your music. Maybe we'll even try to use it on this podcast. Speaking of music on this podcast, let's take a quick smoke break and listen to some music. Be right back.
That was Austin and Auckland post-rock instrumentalist My Education with a fierce track called Open Marriages from their album 2017's LP Skipple. Yes, Skipple. S-C-H-I-P-H-O-L like the name of Amsterdam's airport. Look up that album and go by yourself that beautiful transparent orange baby blue and white splatter vinyl. I don't think excluding yourself from a platform does you any good for the most part. I do think there is value in staggering that a bit. Let's say if you're taking my advice on what I've been talking about this episode and you want to have more of a sales mindset, how do I know how much physical product to produce? I mean, the last thing any of us want to do is be sitting on 250 unsold vinyl records, 100 unsold CDs. I mean, that is fucking expensive paperweights, just expensive coasters. So yes, we don't want to have too much or any unsold inventory. This is what I would do. Remember, we're talking about giving idea to a sales mindset versus you just trying to run up your streaming stats. And goddamn y'all, I'm about to drop some major free game. But you know what? It's not the strategy alone that's going to save you. It's always the execution that matters. And most importantly, the music. So this is what I would do. To make sure that you can try to produce the amount of product to meet demand, you need to capture as much pre-sales as you can. Let's say you start doing pre-sales about four or five months before an official release date so you can start a production run based upon what you have sold within the first few months. So scale up a bit to meet further demand in the future and for sales that shows but you get an idea of at least like a base amount that you want to order and then you can try to just take a guess from there and again this can always be the first run you can always release more product as demand is there for it to give people a greater incentive to purchase music from you i want you to release that physical music or even that digital record months before the street date for that record this gives a call to action to the consumer to the fan out there to hear your music and because they bought it they get to do so before anyone else and you know the thinking on this is that once an album is out and available on streaming services your music is free it is very very hard to activate a purchase impulse versus free so yeah if you're able to i would release your physical product or your digital download album first have it for sale have it to ship out before your music ends up on streaming services and maybe you preview only one track on bandcamp while you sell the full record you know physically or as a download maybe that single streams on you know a streaming site but that's it just that one single and do this for several months in advance for instance but you want to have time in advance so you can capture your sales ship out that product early to consumers and then drop that record on all platforms and in real life at a certain date you're creating a sales funnel while giving some aspects of exclusivity you're awarding fans who make the purchase with you you're awarding fans who get there first and once you sell your product for depends on your fan base and what the physical product is. Uh, You know, you may have a super strong brand that other people can't compare to. Remember when Nipsey Hussle, R.I.P., sold a thousand dollar album and only pressed a hundred copies? What the fuck? And it sold out quickly. I mean, that's a hundred racks in your pocket right there. So start putting some effort into sales. It does not mean streaming does not matter, but I don't see nearly enough thought being given to this by our youngest that are in the game. If you put at least the same effort and time in earning a sale as you do getting a stream, I think you'll see your pockets grow while earning a closer relationship with your fans. And of course, people you sell records to will stream your record too. So you don't necessarily have anything to lose in my estimation. 
So there it is, y'all. Major album release strategy that gets you to focus on some sales before you drop into the streaming world. Of course, if you're self-releasing music, this is all easier to coordinate and make happen. If you're working with record labels, they have their own plans too. And record release strategies ultimately are a family affair of a strategy to coalesce and make into one. So compromises are made. Let's go ahead and take a quick breather. Grab your favorite strain. Light it up. Let's do a quick sesh and... We'll be right back. That was Built by Snow with their track Science of Love from their album Mega, which is available as a free download from their Bandcamp page right now. Built by Snow is the band that I got to know JP from. As you listeners know, JP makes his solo music as Velcro Wolf. I did PR for them after they recorded a demo with Tim Huseman, who was a drummer keyboardist in a band called Aster. Aster was the first band I ever managed. So our friendship and working relationship collaborating together has been going on for quite a while now. 
now. It's over 15 years. Pretty fucking wild, right? It's like just time flies. So I wanted to ask you all real quick if you have subscribed or followed this podcast on the platform you are streaming on right now. If not, take a quick moment to do that right now for us and help Sound and Strain with Ryan Cano out. Please tell a friend and have them tell a friend about this podcast. If you are an Apple podcast, please leave me a five-star review. And if you leave that review in the form of a question, I will answer that question on the show. I received a five-star review from Prawn Daddy from Cincinnati. I like that rhyme. Prawn Daddy from Cincinnati who said of the pod, promotes and advocates for good music and the people that make it. A refreshing voice about what is happening today in music and culture. Wow. Thank you so much, Prawn Daddy from Cincinnati. I really appreciate you listening to the show. I appreciate you calling me a refreshing voice. And I really give a shit. I, I like give a whole lot of a shit about music. Its meaning, its impact on my life is immeasurable. I also find the music business and entertainment business just fascinating. If you look at the business through the lens of helping an artist, the challenge will always be there to make the process between an artist and commerce be as smooth as possible. I love that with each improvement in these industries, there's almost another need that needs addressing. So it just stays interesting for me. Anyhow, thank you for the review on Apple Podcasts. As far as I can see on my end, this is the only review I have right now. So you're the number one fan of my book, Prawn Daddy. Also got an email from Joshua. Joshua writes, honestly, I think I'm very thankful to have a podcast that takes me away from politics. Uh, whoops. This uh, note came in obviously before last week's episode. Uh, takes me away from politics. Stuff he takes on current events and science. I enjoy all of that, but someone, especially someone I know and respect, validating my fears and anxieties and telling me to just be playing my damn guitar was so nice. Of course, I hear that a lot, but I tend to listen to people that have similar views on certain aspects of my life, but somehow not much from musicians or artists. In this note, he mentions that, uh, says, Damon and I got back to playing together. It's been great. Our motivations haven't changed much as we mainly play for ourselves, but it is strange to not have shows to plan or work towards. I dig this advice for musicians that is more helpful than it may seem. I desperately need a perspective of things that included my passion. Hearing your voice and updating me on the city's approach or lack thereof to the venue crisis was a welcome change. Not that the news was good, just that it refocused my energy. I jammed for an hour after that. Not relegated to my headphones either. I cranked that shit in my garage. I had tools falling off the walls. Talk about cathartic. Also, I really appreciate the breaks with full fucking songs. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. I cannot stress that enough. I think music can make or break a podcast. Well, thank you for that note, Joshua. I'm so glad that you're enjoying the podcast. Thank you for that advice. I'm glad that advice helped you, and it gives me immense satisfaction knowing that you cranked that guitar the fuck up and it rattled the tools off the shelves. Hell yeah. Awesome. Thank you for the feedback too, Joshua. I I put a lot of thought into the podcast, what I was going to name it, how I'd like sections to flow, and I knew early on I wanted a lot of music, if for no other reason, just to play the shit I'm into. And naturally, I was always going to play the artists that I manage and consult with first on the pod, but expect that to change too. I really want to shine a light on as many incredible artists that are out there, and as I get more permission to use and showcase more music, the more diverse you know the sonic programming will become as we go along. So thank. Thank you for taking this ride with me so far. Once again, if you'd like to send a question, maybe your band needs help with next moves, maybe you need to handle an exiting member, or maybe you just want to know more about me, Ryan Cano, 
Austin's favorite house cat and music manager. Then send me an email at the website at soundandstrain.com or tweet the show at soundandstrain. If you leave a five-star review in the form of a question on our Apple podcast page, I will get to you first. Did you guys see last week that Taylor Swift came out and endorsed Joe Biden? It's really great to see megastars like her speak out. If nothing else, I hope her fans that have the opposite views of Taylor Swift, you know, I hope those fans give a little bit of thought into why she might have different point of views in them. Perspective matters, and I think she may be able to empathize enough with her fan base that perhaps they can sit and think about themselves, other people, and all of our place in society. We owe it to ourselves to make a more equitable place to live and exist. Continuous improvement. Two steps forward, not two steps backwards. Now, I want to remind you all out there to go vote. That shit matters. Ignore people who try to intellectualize how your vote doesn't matter. I'm telling you it does. Why? Those in power wouldn't spend so much money, time, and effort in suppressing your vote if it didn't matter. They want you to not contribute and to not participate. And you know why? When an unheard voice decides to keep quiet, that unheard voice goes unheard. See, they want you to believe it doesn't matter so you don't contribute. And when you don't contribute, they can say, well, if they were really like you say it is, you would have voted then. You would have said something I didn't know. You have to play aspects of the game. And the game I'm talking about is the politics game. It it runs our lives. And so many of you out there want change, uh, but haven't taken a civics class to save your fucking life. And it just really shows. There's too many people I know that are straight up disenfranchising their own vote right now. What a gift you're giving Russia and to all the GOP who has been trying to suppress your vote this whole time. I mean, you're not going to fuck up the system by doing jack shit. It just doesn't work out like that. So please use your voice in the ballot booth and rock the vote. Texas right now is neck and neck between Biden and Trump. Trump is so divisive that he may actually lose Texas. I don't think people understand what a shift in voter demographics is happening in this great state. And remember, there's tons of voter suppression tactics that Texas has pushed against its citizens. But our cities now, our Texas-sized cities, those are looking more like center-left, maybe even left-center. This will eventually engulf the GOP voters on the rural state side. Cities keep getting bigger and and roll keeps shrinking. This eventuality may be right now. If you are a Texan looking for a more equitable change, then I implore you to vote out the do-nothing, stand-for-nothing obstructionist GOP. I know you guys want to turn off your minds a bit when listening to this podcast, but again, this shit not only matters, it affects the music business. And this podcast, of course, is going to cover tons of topics. It's a variety podcast, pop culture, entrepreneurship, business, life, and people that do fuck shit in politics. But it's also a music podcast and it's an entertainment and music business podcast. We are all these things. And speaking of music, how about we listen to some music right now? Go grab yourself a quick bowl, light it up, and we'll be right back for the outro.
Welcome back. That was Gray Ann from My Education and their album Skip Hole, which is out now everywhere music can be found. Before I head out, I want to let you know that next week I will be taking off from the pod. A few episodes back, I told you that I had scheduled a colonoscopy and it is about to be here. I'll be getting that done next week and typically during the time I would be recording and editing an episode of this podcast. So I figure I'll just give myself the break and rest up. I may spend some of that time next week booking some interviews, but we'll see. I I would eventually like to get that going on this podcast. So let me ask you guys, who would you like to hear from on this show? I've been racking my brains about who I can get here and I want to kind of get some people that can drop some free game and really kind of like help you in your artistic career and maybe add perspective that I'm not able to provide. Even if it's not a specific person in mind, maybe you want to hear from other music managers or maybe music supervisors from a certain TV show. Just let me know. And you may have noticed, I think this is going to be our longest episode to date. Uh, At least it was, my notes are longer than I've ever written them before, but you know, I just wanted to supersize this episode a bit and hopefully I did. I just want to give that extra gift to you out there while I'm resting up next week. I also want to know what sounds are you streaming? What strains are you rolling? The strains we are going to highlight this week is Skittles. That's with the Z. Z-K-I-T-T-L-E-Z. This information I'm about to give you comes my way via WikiLeaf. WikiLeaf states that Skittles is a strain descended from fruity indica favorite grape ape and tangy sativa grapefruit. Skittles combines the mental and physical effects of both parent strains to yield a smooth, multifaceted high. This bud's appeal was strong enough to earn the title of Best Indica at the 2015 High Times Cannabis Cup held in Michigan. Skittles' THC content has been measured at between 15% and 23%. Depending on the phenotype, the plant's thick, and chunky flowers appear in a variety of greens and purples with vibrant orange hairs sprinkled throughout. The eye-catching purple hues are the result of high concentrations of anthocyanine pigments. The trimmed buds have a characteristically indica structure, tight and densely packed with smallish leaves. Finally, a dusting cloud of white trichomes ensures both stickiness and psychoactivity. Its aroma is where Skittles really shines. When properly cured, Skittles flower gives off a sweet sour funk and a second whiff reveals slightly more distinct notes of berry and lemon. This strain gives effects of a slow dip in energy levels. So this bud is only recommended for consumption between late afternoon and early evenings. For my cannabis users out there using medically, Skittles can have a few different applications for you. The strain's initially zoned in mental properties can aid focus for those that have attention deficit disorders. As for the body high, when that takes over, it can temporarily soothe the symptoms of stress, depression, and anxiety. Physical benefits include relief from both chronic pain and minor everyday irritation. Skittles can also cause a surge in appetite, helping out those who have lost their hunger to disease like Crohn's disease for instance, and to treatments like chemotherapy. Because of Skittles' potentially paranoid cerebral effects, Patients who are prone to panic attacks or have low THC tolerance should consume Skittles with some caution. When using Skittles, typical effects are relaxed, 
focused, and feeling social. Many users take this strain for ADHD symptoms, and if you have chronic pain out there or chronic inflammation, you know how concentrating on other things can be incredibly hard. So Skittles is the strain of the week. Pick up this aromatic and tasty strain from your local dispensary today. That is all I have for this week. Thank you for tuning in and taking this podcast journey with me. I really appreciate all the kind words, the feedback, the emails. It, it means a lot to me that you are all out there because frankly, I'm just sitting in a room alone right now in front of a microphone just spitting. It's nice to know there's an audience out there. I see the stats every week uh, from, and I see the different countries that are involved in checking this out and it gives me a lot of joy. Please send me a message and let me know what you think of the show and then go tell a friend to tell a friend and let's go ahead and have them tell a friend to listen to this podcast that comes to you nearly every week in DIY. HD quality. Sending us out this week is Austin's Velcro Wolf, who just released a new album, Destroyer of Batteries. Velcro Wolf's lead track, Walkman Wars, was KUTX Song of the Day this past Wednesday, so you'll be hearing him on your radio very soon. They were the first to pick up the track. The song I'm going to play to you today, though, is Maniac for Maniacal Ends, and this again is Velcro Wolf and from his debut album, Destroyer Batteries. See you in a few weeks, everyone. Peace.